and now I'll introduce the guest speaker. And before I do so, I want to say a special thanks to Tom for allowing me to open up the market this morning. What a, what a huge, uh, exciting process that was. And if the market goes up, then please invite me back. And if it goes down, <laughs> it wasn't my fault. We've all heard that in crisis, there is opportunity. But striking out in a new direction, looking for that opportunity in the midst of a crisis can be risky. It's not surprising that the upheaval in the financial markets over the past year or so have left many gun-shy. But now analysts and experts are telling us that recovery is beginning to take hold. And that is this time to look really at the opportunities that this crisis has brought with it. Canada has often been considered conservative and risk adverse when it comes to money and finance. But now the game has changed and this country has tuned out, turned out to be a world leader in banking know-how and fiscal responsibility. We are emerging from this recession more quickly and with less damage than virtually every other country in the G7. Our reputation and performance have given us substantial purchasing power and at the very time there begins that we had an enormous opportunities to take advantage of. Our guest today is no stranger to evaluating investment strategies and successfully managing financial risk. Before coming to Canada as CEO of the TMX Group, which operates the Toronto Stock Exchange, the Montreal Exchange, the TSX Venture Exchange, and a host of other investment enterprises, Tom Clowett has been Senior Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer of the American Zone for FEMAT and a successor, successor New Edge Group since 2003. Prior to that, he served as the first CEO and Executive Director of Singapore Exchange Limited, leading the organization through its transition from a mutual utility to a commercial entity. He believes that this financial crisis has brought Canada to the brink of a tremendous opportunity. We have a chance, he says, to become real, real leaders in the global economy, capitalizing on our financial services industry, our wealth of natural resources, and our ability to compete in the knowledge economy. Please welcome Thomas Clowett, Chief Executive Officer, the TMX Group. Thank you, John, and uh, I am delighted to have a chance to be here today to share a few thoughts with everybody, and uh, it was really our pleasure to, to have you uh, open the markets today, and uh, we hope you'll be back to do it, no matter how the color turns out, red or green, soon. So, and thank you to the Canadian Club for inviting me to join you today. For more than a century, the Canadian Club has provided a forum for public discourse. It's a long and rich history. When this club was formed in Hamilton in 1892, John Thompson was Prime Minister, and Grover Cleveland, who I've recently learned was a partner at Hudson Ross, was in the White House. Charles A. Wheeler patented the first escalator, and a fellow by the name of Washington Sheffield earned an enduring place in many a marital spat by inventing the toothpaste tube. <laughs> but the most important event of 1892, besides the formation of the Canadian Club, of course, was the decision by Lord Stanley of Preston to donate a trophy for Canada's top-ranking amateur hockey club. The Stanley Cup was born, and a national passion found form in a sculpted, sculpted silver bowl. As a relative newcomer to Canada, if there's one thing I've learned in my 18 months here, it's just how passionate Canadians feel 
about hockey. <laughs> Through all the intervening years, this organization has provided a place where the currents of history could meet. Whatever the issue, whatever the cause, if it mattered, it was aired at the Canadian Club. So perhaps it's, important, it's appropriate that I sp should speak today to the Canadian Club about, about making this Canada's hour, about the opportunities before us, and why each of us has a role to play. Let me begin by telling you a little bit about the journey TMX Group has been on over the past few years. As you know, Canada stock exchanges used to be mutually owned by the dealers and brokerage houses. Then in 2000, it was decided to put the exchange under the direction of a neutral, standalone company, a process we call demutualization. Since then, we've evolved into TMX Group, operating a full portfolio of assets to provide trading, data, and in many cases, clearing capabilities for stocks, fixed income, derivatives, and energy products. Now, TMX Group is something of a unique enterprise at the heart of the Canadian capital markets. On one level, we are a traditional company whose responsibility is to enhance shareholder value. But we're also a company with a public interest mandate that provides the infrastructure for a host of capital market activities. And the two roles are complementary. To serve our shareholders well, we need to serve our customers well. Customers which include our intermediaries and end users, as well as nearly 4,000 listed issuers. And our customers, as well as their investors, are better served by the neutrality we provide by being an independent company. Indeed, that independence is what allows us and Canada's public markets to thrive. We take this public interest responsibility very seriously. We know, as you do, that a vibrant capital marketplace provides the fuel to drive our prosperity as a country. Indeed, for hundreds of years, stock exchanges have provided the conduit for capital, encouraging investment, enabling even the smallest investor to participate in the profits of major companies, and allowing companies to raise funds to build or grow their business has fortified balance sheets and financed innovation. Without a central market central transparent place to raise funds, Canadian businesses would be forced to take on more debt, pay more for the capital they need, and perhaps even have a smaller pool of capital from which to draw. At the same time, individual Canadians would have fewer options for investing their savings, participating in economic growth, and building their own futures. Now, I know that for many people, stock exchanges can seem confusing places filled with technical jargon and complicated instruments. But at their heart is a simple function, to act as a central marketplace 
connecting ideas with resources and investors with opportunities. And as such, exchanges are critical components of a national economy. That's why we adhere to the highest standards of integrity and transparency and expect the same from those who list with us. As a key contributor to the national economy, we're proud of the role we play and the success we've had. A few quick stats. Today, TMX's equity markets are number one in the world in listing mining and energy companies. We're number two in terms of the overall number of companies listed. We're second in the world in the number of technology companies listed and a leader in the emerging clean technology sector. We're particularly proud of our performance during the recent economic crisis. At a time when credit markets became dysfunctional, private equity dried up, and a number of global financial institutions went hat in hands to their governments, our exchanges and clearinghouses stayed open, conducted business, and brought a measure of stability at a time of great turmoil. In fact, not only did we stay open, we realized record volumes. And so far this year, the Toronto Stock Exchange has seen record levels of financings. With over $56 billion raised to the end of November, exceeding the previous record set for financing in all of 2007. That's more than 56 billion of new capital, that, money that companies are using to launch new products, hire new worker, workers, and drive economic recovery. That's good news for Canadians, and it's a strong vote of confidence for the markets we operate. Now, I mention all of this not to boast, but to point out what many Canadians don't realize, that Canada's markets are major players in the world of international finance, that they are trusted and respected. And what is true of Canadian markets is also true of Canada as a whole. As I said, I've been living in Canada full time now for about 18 months. And I am very impressed with what this country has to offer, the assets it has, the story it has to tell. And even though I've worked in the US and in Singapore, I've never seen the kind of potential we have right here in this country. Just consider, when the global financial system was imploding, Canada's financial system came through relatively unscathed. Not surprisingly, for the second straight year, the World Economic Forum declared that Canada has the safest and soundest financial system on the globe. Not Switzerland, Canada. But even more importantly, when you look ahead at what will be required for success, whether it's outstanding infrastructure, or a well-educated workforce, or a solid financial sector, or natural resources, and the expertise to develop them, Canada has it all, everything the world is looking for. Right here in Toronto, we have one of the world's leading financial centers. The most recent Global Financial Center Index 
puts us at number 12 in the world. I agree with the Toronto Financial Services Alliance that we should aim to be one of the two most important financial hubs in North America and among the top 10 worldwide within five years. In a recent study, the Boston Consulting Group makes it clear that the current timing is particularly compelling. The report says, and I quote, the global financial crisis has put Canada and Toronto under a temporary spotlight of attention, which is sure to wane unless purposefully seized, end quote. They're right. I believe that Canada does enjoy a truly unique opportunity, not only to establish ourselves as a leading financial center, but to expand a world-class competitive economy, to turn the recent crisis into an enduring advantage. But how to get there? Let me suggest three areas to focus on. First, we need to do a better job of promoting all that makes Canada remarkable. Notice I say we have to do a better job. Not the guy beside us, not Ottawa, not Queen's Park. We do. I think too many of us have seen ourselves as builders of businesses rather than ambassadors for this country. At a time when other nations are aggressively marketing themselves, when globalization has made it possible to set up a business almost anywhere, the two have to go hand in hand. Because even the best story and the most compelling business case is of limited value if no one hears it. So I've come here today not only to cheer, but to challenge, to call on all of us to do our part, shoulder our share, spend our money, and promote Canada and our markets like we never have before. At TMX Group, we've been doing this for a number of years now. We've shared our story and Canada's strengths around the globe in Australia, Chile, Peru, China, Africa, the UK, Russia, Israel, and the United States. We estimate that up to half of our trading volume now comes from outside Canada. We're home to 260 international issuers, and we're optimistic about the pipeline of potential issuers we're developing through our efforts abroad. For all of us, the coming months afford an incredible opportunity to sell Canada as we host the G8, the G20, and the Olympics. Given our strengths, given our credibility in the world today, we've never had a more receptive audience. So that's the first point for developing Canada's potential, getting out there and promoting it. Second, and related, we need to see the whole world as our marketplace. Gone are the days when we compete with the guy next door for the customer across the street. In today's world, both our competitors and our customers are across the globe. As Thomas Friedman has said, the world is flat, leveled by information and communication technologies which have eliminated distances, lowered transaction costs, and transformed how companies manage their supply chains. 
creating exciting new opportunities for customers, large and small, to serve their customers near and far. In such a world, the critical requirement for success is having a truly global perspective. That means measuring ourselves against the best, competing against the best, becoming the best. For all of us, this means a new opportunity. At TMX Group, for example, we compete for listings not only with the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ, but exchanges from around the world, from London to Sydney to Singapore. We see select companies around the world as potential listed issuers, and every international investor as a potential investor in Canada. The goal, therefore, should not be to fragment our own market, but to win a bigger share of the global market. Part of that means removing impediments to transborder trading. First, between Canada and the United States, ultimately across other jurisdictions. At a time when technology enables virtually instantaneous transfer of financial information, it simply doesn't make sense that an American cannot directly purchase shares on Canadian exchanges. It's time that we had free trade in securities just as we have free trade in goods. And that begins with a mutual recognition of one another's regulatory systems. We at TMX stand prepared to offer our assistance to government and other bodies in this effort. The third and final point, we need to make sure that once we have the world's attention, we have a world-class environment in which they can invest. That means developing the right business environment from tax policies to, re to the regulatory system to insisting on appropriate standards of corporate responsibility. Now, I'm sure we all have our own ideas based on our own experiences and the particular sector in which we work. Let me just suggest a few ideas from our perspective at TMX Group. As you know, small and medium-sized enterprises are the lifeblood of Canada's economy, the greatest creators of jobs, the incubators of innovation. It's critical, therefore, that we create the right financial incentives to support them. At the moment, small private Canadian companies have access to a, a number of important incentives, including an enhanced refundable credit under the Scientific Research and Experimental Development Tax Credit. Once these companies go public, however, they no longer qualify for the enhanced part of the credit, nor is it refundable. These rules may have made sense when they were introduced years ago when being a public company meant being a bank or a large insurance company. But today, thousands of early stage growth companies are seeking access to capital on public markets. We shouldn't be discouraging them from tapping into capital markets when they need them most, leaving them to look at more expensive debt financing at a time when they can least afford it. That's not the way to develop the next rim or Bombardier or propel 
a clean energy sector that is fast becoming the envy of the world, a sector that's already raised $1 billion in financing in our markets. Closer to home, in the past couple of years, we've seen the emergence of alternative trading systems which compete directly with traditional stock exchanges. We welcome competition, especially if it drives innovation, lowers costs, and prompts market development. Unfortunately, in this case, we have seen competition develop on the back of poor rulemaking. One result, despite lowering our fees virtually every year since we went public, the costs for our participating organizations have actually, have recently actually increased. Why? One of the main reasons is that once an alternative trading system is operational, regulatory policy forces brokerage firms to incur significant new costs in order to plug into these new trading systems, regardless of whether or not they have any material level of trading. This establishes a cost burden without public benefit. Beyond some of the more technical objections, however, is an even more fundamental issue. The premise behind the demutualization journey I mentioned earlier was straightforward. To provide the capital markets with an independent exchange, free from the potential conflicts of interest that arose from dealers and brokerages owning the exchange. If we learn nothing else from the recent financial crisis, it is that public exchanges with transparent rules an investor protection role, and absolute neutrality provide a superior mark model. Today, however, we risk stepping away from this model, back to the days when trading venues and exchanges roamed by select participants with conflicted interests and an ability to work in concert. Left unchecked, the current trend may restrict the needed development of our markets, reinforce a perception by global investors that our markets are effectively closed to new participants. Exactly what we can't have if our capital markets are to compete for critical international investment if they're going to continue to be the engines of economic prosperity. It is time for Canada's various regulatory entities to act quickly and amend the rules governing alternative trading systems, ensuring that our markets are open for business, governed fairly, and free from inherent conflicts of interest. Well, these are just a few of the issues facing Canada's capital markets, issues we believe merit more thought and more debate. To foster that dialogue, we have formed a partnership with the Capital Markets Institute centered at the Rotman School of Management, an institute with an outstanding reputation for bringing together academia and business to find solutions that enhance Canada's competitiveness. Working with the Capital Markets Institute, we'll dig a little deeper into regulatory policies, incentives for small businesses, ownership guidelines, and the free flow of capital across borders. And starting in the first quarter of 2010, provide the opportunity for stakeholders such as yourselves 
to weigh in before we present our ideas. So a few ideas about how we could turn this unique moment of opportunity into Canada's hour. By promoting Canada aggressively, conducting our businesses globally, and creating an environment which will make a compelling case for Canada. I am confident that Canada can seize this moment, but we must act, all of us. Because while the opportunity is impressive, it's also perishable. As you know, in business, there is such a thing as being too late, of missing moments of opportunity that pass to others who are better prepared or more willing to make the efforts necessary for success. Let's not let that happen here, not with this opportunity. We have so much to gain and no time to lose. Let's get down to business. Thank you very much. I'd like to call Amanda Lang, Vice President of the Canadian Club, to the podium, please. Thank you so much, uh, and thank you, Tom. It gives me great pleasure on behalf of the Canadian Club of Toronto to offer up the thanks for this speech. Um, and I must say, it, it did strike me listening to you a little bit that I think we're all quite familiar with the Canadian characteristic of not particularly wanting to, to sing our own praises. And it reminded me of, um, of an old story, which may be apocryphal, but that somebody started a contest to come up with the, the right Canadian slogan. And the contest was, end the sentence, as Canadian as, dot, dot, dot. You guys have all heard this. Uh, and, the, and the winning entry was, as Canadian as possible under the circumstances. <laughs> it is, though, an important moment in history. Barack Obama said not that long ago that a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And I think there is a sense that it's being wasted on some fronts, certainly in terms of regulatory change in America. I don't think we need to waste it in Canada. Our financial system stands out in the world. It did before. It shines now. And I think it's because we have global players with global minds. And I, I, there isn't any reason why we can't do exactly what Tom is advocating. And it's great to hear him advocate for it. So on, on behalf of the club and everybody in the room, I think I can safely say, Tom, thank you very much. Thanks, Amanda, and thank you again, Tom, for your, uh, for your speech. And I'd also like to thank Hodgson's Ross once again and Campbell Strategies for your sponsorship. This concludes our television programming, which has been broadcast live on Rogers TV. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of the Canadian Club events. This meeting is now adjourned. Thank you very much, and have a good afternoon. <laughs>